Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, what is the future for Disney with its most popular properties? Is it doom and gloom for Dallas Cowboy fans? And is FIFA the most underrated IP in video games? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glass from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you listening to all of our great shows. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He is the enigma of Humanica Media. you got to check out everything that's going on in Humanica Media today on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and so much more including his great show, Topicocalypse, and the PCC Gamescast. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's going on, man? Another weekend in pop culture gone by. As long as you did not call me the Edward Enigma of Humanican Media, because that would be overestimating my abilities to be a supervillain. So thank you. Josh, it's going to be a great episode we have here today. We have Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. We've got a couple things to discuss when it comes to week three in the NFL, including is it time to put the Dallas Cowboys out to pasture? They really have looked bad so far, and we'll discuss why that is in detail. Plus, Rob McCallum is also here. He is going to be in the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire talking about a lot of great pop culture subjects, along with why FIFA may be, if not is, the most underrated IP in video games. And we'll explain why coming up later in the broadcast as well. One of the things I want to do before we start our show is thanks so much, Go Brothers Gaming, Retro City Games, and of course, Mario Party Wars and Salvador Villa for running a great tournament and challenge that we were so humbled to be a part of this past weekend at Retro City Games. It was a game night to actually promote and hopefully get contributions for the victims of Jacksonville. I'm looking forward to doing more great things with all those entities such as Go Brothers Gaming Mario Party Wars, Retro City Games, just cannot thank them enough. And Salvador Villa for actually spearheading the whole operation as a whole, not only there, and also Prestar Gaming Center as well. So cannot truly thank him enough and the team at Mario Party Wars for setting all this up. Want to start off with a little conversation the Hollywood Reporter had with Bob Iger. Bob Iger, if you're not familiar with his name, he is the man with a plan. And when it comes to Disney, he is the, the head mouse, as it were, in regards to all things Disney. 
And I noticed they touched on a lot of subjects when it came to ESPN, Star Wars, Marvel, their streaming service, the future of Disney as a whole, a lot of other things. One of the things that obviously a lot of people got out of it was the future of the Star Wars franchise. And I think a lot of people were honing in on that first. And it looks like Bob Iger was the man who spearheaded the yearly iterations in the Star Wars franchise, which for a while seemed really smart. But with the latest iteration of Solo, a Star Wars story going belly up and really bombing not even getting $400 million, which for such an expensive movie with reshoots and whatnot, we'll never see a diamond profit. It obviously has led Disney to rethink and reevaluate its situation when it comes to the Star Wars franchise. They actually talked about it quite a bit, and it looks like Bob Iger was quoted in the article as saying, Star Wars is now due for a slowdown after episode nine. Your thoughts on those comments And in regards to the Star Wars whole IP, is it going to be really much of a slowdown? Because there are a lot of other things from the TV and other medium that they're doing in exchange that is really not slowing down the franchise at all. See, that was weird to me because I don't think that they are planning on slowing down the franchise. I feel like the releases are still going to be yearly, but maybe they'll be spread out a little bit more over, you know, in between each one. Whereas, you know, how we had one in may one in december i don't think that they plan on having them be really close together just so people don't get burnt out and that maybe that's a good idea ideally i would like a star wars movie to come out every other year that would be cool that's kind of what they're doing with the fantastic beast franchise but you know again you have to think about it like this disney makes money off star wars i mean obviously not solo but and I'll be honest, man, I'm kind of burnt out on Star Wars. I do want to watch Solo when it hits the old digital because I heard that it was so bad and I wanted to see what the, the hype was about. I disagree with you. I think it was actually a, an okay movie. I thought the first part beginning was bad. I'll give you that. But overall, the movie actually had some some decent points. And yes, it is not the best Star Wars movie by long shot, but it's certainly, in my opinion, not the worst. It is not at prequel level. In other words, I just think the movie itself really was fighting an uphill battle from the start. And to me, I think, like I said, it's just an an average okay movie. But because of that, it just doesn't distinguish itself and nor will it within a Star Wars franchise. Well, I haven't seen it yet, so I I don't know. But I just I was reading it, you know, people's opinions and all that. But let me ask you this, though. Do you think that if it had if Ron Howard had been in charge of it from the get go, you think it would have ended up a lot better? It may have ended up better, a lot better. I don't think so. But also the timing, like you said, had it been a December release, I think you're talking quite a bit. I think that when it comes right down to it, that to me is the biggest issue was the quick turnaround from December to May because there was still a lot of bad blood when it comes to The Last Jedi and all the residual comments and trolling and and negativity in regards to what happened with The Last Jedi. It seems like it's starting to fade now here in September. And I think that if you were going to have to put it out, I think you were going to have to put it out in December. I think they should just stick to that December guideline. And I also think I agree with you that it should be in every other year and not every three years. I think every other year works for the Star Wars franchise. I think it still keeps people invested in the Star Wars franchise. 
but they're really not slowing down because what they're not doing on the big screen or what they won't be doing on the big screen when it comes to iterations, when it comes to side stories and everything of that nature, they will be now doing on a smaller medium when it comes to the Disney streaming service or any of the other Disney channels that they're doing. So it's really not slowing down at all. Yeah, and see, that's another thing, too. You know, we, we discussed this with Marvel, how there's all these TV shows and now what they want to have. The Young Avengers writers allegedly writing something for uh, ABC. It's just, it's too much. And again, with like the Star Wars stuff, it, it has to be really interesting because, again, you're going to get burnout. Maybe that's why they're like, oh, yeah, we'll release a new one in theaters. We'll try to space them out a little bit. But I think with all these TV shows and all the side stories, all the comic books and books, there's going to be a burnout. Like you're going to hit hit a point. I, I don't think the solution is to space the movies out and then fill in the gaps with TV shows. That doesn't make any sense to me because that still doesn't solve the problem of people being overloaded with Star Wars. Because what happens if they put all this money? I know John Favreau's in charge of this, but what happens if they put all this money into that and then it ends up not being, you know, it just not ends up not being good. People don't like it. So then you're stuck with another issue. I think they need to re-examine star wars as a whole and go kind of go back to the writing board and see what made the original trilogy so great and actually listen to fan feedback and i know there's division on you know the last one to come out but star wars is a is a property that they're only going to be allowed so much grace with if that makes sense yeah that's true and i think that star wars as a whole i think a lot of people still get excited for it on a smaller medium, it probably will have initial buy-in from a lot of people. Obviously, Star Trek Discovery, a lot of people were really buying into that on CBS All Access. It has worked out for them pretty well. Uh, I think it also indicates that they are looking towards these smaller mediums when it comes to the Disney streaming service and also any of the other outlets they have as new, I guess, jumping points for some of the stuff that they're working on when it comes to Marvel and when it comes to Star Wars. But there is going to be a burnout at some point on both of those franchises because you can only have so much output within those universes. We've already seen already that anything that's not of any type of quality, people really just get negative on with when it comes to some of the stuff that's been on Netflix. They've really been harsh on that. We obviously saw with Inhumans how fast that got off the air. That, to me, is, is, is an issue that they need to address. The same thing could happen with the Star Wars series. Yeah, the Clone Wars is coming back for another season. That's awesome. And obviously, they've spoken to Jon Favreau. They've, they've green-lighted him for, to do something within the Star Wars realm on TV or in the Disney streaming service. That's something to look forward to. But at some point, they need to maybe slow down a little bit and focus in on the movies because that's what really draws in people when it comes to star wars and marvel and especially star wars in my opinion that they need to focus in on getting quality movies up on there because the last few movies have only been okay at best and with some people that are out there they were really not liked anything since the old movies from the 80s and that goes a long way back because they didn't like the prequels and they didn't like what came out with The Force Awakens because they thought it was too much of a rehash with Star Wars and they have not liked anything really since then when it comes to the Star Wars movies. So they need to really focus in on trying to hone in a good quality product, especially with Episode Nine and where it goes from there with whoever's going to guide it, whether it's Ryan Johnson 
or the writers from the Game of Thrones, because one of those sets of individuals is going to be producing the next trilogy of Star Wars movies. And that's going to be something that I think a lot of people are going to be honing in on and seeing if it will keep their love of Star Wars or have it maybe just be a pop culture thing gone by. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Looking for an edge? The next time you take on your favorite video game, then check out Vitabrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance, giving you a better gaming experience. Head to MiracleFruitOil.com and use the promo code MEDIA10 to get $10 off your Vitabrace purchase. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com. That's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace. Win with it. One of the things I also want to talk to you about when it came to his conversation was the X-Men franchise involving that more into the Marvel scheme of things now that they have it as a property they got from Fox. Your thoughts on the X-Men franchise and how it should be blended in into the MCU or should it and maybe put on another medium? I was thinking the X-Men franchise may be best suited at this point in time for something on a smaller screen or a Disney streaming service. That's my opinion. I think a lot of people would get excited for that because we've already had so many mediocre outings from the X-Men franchise. Things could be just really at this point, maybe be a little bit tiring for people when it comes to the X-Men on the big screen. I'll tell you where I stand on that. There's already been so many years of attachment to these characters over at Fox. And yes, they have kind of screwed it up a little bit, but I feel like it would be weird to just retcon those those care those people though you know i mean there's got to be maybe a way to incorporate them if not them then incorporate deadpool because deadpool could technically you know with a few lines of dialogue exist in the mcu it, it's just it it seems weird to me to not have them be a part of or if they're going to reboot it you know make it make it modern start from the beginning make it modern recast everybody maybe keep ryan reynolds as deadpool make it like a younger generation of X-Men. You know, you have the old grizzled Wolverine kind of teaching them, you know, maybe take a different dynamic. It's not Professor Xavier. Well, he's there, but maybe it's, it's you know, Wolverine that's more a teacher to the students instead of Scott and Jean Grey. But if it would feel weird to me to make that a TV show and not have them be on the big screen because that's such an integral part of the MCU. And I think Marvel would, they would do it right, but... You know, and then if they wanted to, because it just, I don't know, man, like I, I would love to see an old man Logan if they were to do another take on that or maybe I, I do want to keep there's there's so many dark aspects of the X-Men universe. I would just I don't want to see that not happen because Marvel is afraid to get dark and dirty with some of their properties. Well, when it comes to the X-Men franchise, it's something that I've seen them, but they really haven't stuck with me. And it, to me, it's a matter of quality, because like you said, the Fox individuals have not really done a great job of creating some of the mystique in the X-Men franchise. Some of it's been good. Some of it's been not so good. It's something that I think a lot of people are okay with. They can generate $500, $600 million. And I guess that's pretty good, but we'll have to wait and see if they can make it even better. 
if they do make it part and blend it in as part of the MCU, then obviously it has to be something that can get fans excited and reinvigorate their love of the X-Men franchise. Obviously, Wolverine has been that maybe that that separate piece that a lot of people seem to universally enjoy. I know Old Man Logan, I think, is a great concept that I would love to have a part of the MCU. But when it comes to the rest of the X-Men, it re they really, as a whole, really don't generate that much enthusiasm for the general audiences out there. And only really for the comic book diehards have they been something that that they really want to see on the MCU when it comes to the big screen coming up in the future. I think everybody's just pointing to Deadpool and Wolverine. And I think that's really, everybody's just like, okay, we say, I want to see those two. That's pretty much all we want to see when it comes to the X-Men on the big screen. Am I wrong on that? Or, or do you think they want to see Jean Grey and all the other X-Men individuals as well? I think that there would be a desire if the characters were done better more modern if they were to you know like like i said just kind of re reboot them make them younger more uh more relevant to today's audience the only ones that are interesting are the long-standing ones that have been there such as wolverine maybe professor x he, that's been done pretty good in my opinion as well but when it comes to it after that, I mean, Deadpool is something that obviously has created a lot of enthusiasm in and of its own. And obviously, a lot of people love to see Deadpool wisecracking on the big screen with everyone in the MCU. But after that, it really is just, it's not too interesting at this point in time. Even Michael Fassbender's character, Magneto, it's been kind of touch and go when it comes to his character as well. I'm going to disagree with you on that because I feel like, yeah, they made them younger, but they put them in a timeline where there wasn't any like relevance to today. Like it make them young, make them like, like Tom Holland, make them that age. Like that's what I'm talking about in a modern setting. They would be interesting. And then you can even go as far as, because like a lot of the X-Men have interesting backstories and if, especially if they go like the ultimate comics route where everything's more deranged. They could even do a thing where each of these people have their own movies, and then when they want to eventually come together, they could make an X-Men movie that's like an Avengers film. So you have your your Wolverine movie, you have your Jean Grey movie or whatever, and eventually down the line they could come together into an X-Men movie, and that would be like its own Avengers. One of the other things that was talked about when it comes to the conversation that Bob Iger had with The Hollywood Reporter, and you want to check it out, it's available at HollywoodReporter.com. I want to give them all the credit for doing the interview and actually getting him to talk as freely as he can about a lot of different things. Is the Disney streaming service, what are the plans, what are the goals? He gave us little hints on what he's looking forward to doing with the service. And from what I hear from what's going on with that service, they're obviously planning a lot of different things that are going to be big for it. What are your thoughts on the Disney streaming service as a whole? Is it something you're interested in? Because from the way that it was mentioned in that interview, as far as the future for the Disney franchise, it's something that they're going to rely heavily upon, maybe even circumventing at some point in the future above any of the other video properties that they have that includes ESPN, ABC, and so on and so forth, and all the other channels that they have, it looks like the Disney streaming service may be something that they're prioritizing in the future. I like the idea of it, but again, I want to know more. So I was having this conversation with someone earlier, and we are talking about how everyone saying like, hey, yeah, cancel your cable and get the streaming service. But by the time you have all these streaming services, you have the DC streaming service, you have Netflix, you have Hulu, you have HBO Go, you have Stars or whatever it is, 
it all adds up and it might as well just be another cable bill. So unless the Disney, like I would love if the Disney streaming service and the DC or whatever, they could just be like little $3 add-ons on the Amazon Prime. That would be fantastic for me. But at this point, you know, it really has to be something that is enough for me to to pull me in. Like if it has all the Marvel films and I don't have to keep renting them every time I want to go watch them, that might be one thing. But if it's something that's like, it's just the Disney cartoons or whatever, like I don't really have a desire to watch a lot of those most of the time. So if I'm going to do one more monthly payment, like it has to really be worth my time. It has to have something on there. Same thing with like the DC. It has maybe one or two shows that I want to watch. But other than that, I don't see any reason to justify spending money on it. Those are some of the things that were discussed when it comes to the interview that was done again by The Hollywood Reporter with Bob Iger, the head of Disney. If you have any thoughts on that conversation in regards to what was talked about with the X-Men franchise, Star Wars, Marvel, you know anything that was discussed in that interview, or if you have thoughts on the direction of Disney as a whole, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Share it with us today, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanity Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, like I said, coming up next, we've got Rob McCallum in the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire. After that, we have Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. He is going to be sharing his thoughts on week three in the NFL. Plus, after that, we've got Josh and I. We're going to be coming up right after that with our thoughts on not only why FIFA is the most underrated IP in video games, or is it? We're going to share our thoughts on that and a lot more. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Mm, Nothing's better when grilling your favorite meal than adding some delicious Wheelie Q rubs, seasonings, and gluten-free barbecue sauce. Made with the finest ingredients, Wheelie Q products pack a ton of flavor to your meals, whether it's ribs, chicken, steak, hamburgers, fries, or vegetables. To get your hands on some of these tasty Wheelie Q items, head on over to www.wheelieq.com and a portion of all profits made will go into finding a cure for spinal muscular atrophy. Pop Culture Cosmos listeners, Act now and get 15% off your order just by entering the promo code POD1, that's P-O-D, and the number one at checkout. For the tastiest food on the grill, nothing's better than Wheelie Q items today at wheelieq.com. And we're back with another episode of the Cosmic Crossfire. It's Gerald coming right back at you here. Well, it wouldn't be a Cosmic Crossfire without my good friend. He is the lead commander at Rob McCallum Films. you got to check out everything that's going on today at Rob McCallum Films. Where at? Where else? But robmccallumfilms.com. you got to check out all of his great projects, including the Kitty Documentary, of course, the great He-Man documentary, Power of Grayskull, that you can now watch on Netflix, box art, the documentary, and so much more. It is my good friend. It is Mr. Rob McCallum. We're here to talk about pop culture. So pray tell, Rob, what's in your mind when it comes to pop culture? Well, big news in DC, of course, because the Man of Steel has gone missing or will not be around. 
Henry Cavill is out, as been widely reported from The Hollywood Reporter, amongst other sources. They just couldn't make it work, and there was an... They were in rumor talks for a cameo in Shazam, I believe. And ain't going to happen now. Just ain't going to happen now. So Man of Steel is out. Henry Cavill doesn't mean they won't recast him. And the producer of, of Man of Steel made a comment, said, you know, after a run, you have to consider new actors for films and franchises like Superman. Is there any caveats to this thought? Because you and I have gone back and forth on this discussion where you have Batman and James Bond as these big franchises that have recast these huge, iconic leading roles. But are there caveats to this where there are untouchable franchises? We've mentioned Indiana Jones possibly before. What do you think? Well, I, I think it's something that Josh and I touched upon on our previous episode where we just said DC still at this point in time doesn't have a clue. I mean, at, you, when you're you're more focused on these Joker prequels than trying to get the core Justice League right. The basic four to five superheroes that you need to get right and you still are just finding so much trouble to get everything right outside of Wonder Woman. Just It seems very uh, perplexing. I mean, this is, this is going on several years, Rob. And we're talking about movies that generate even with bad word of mouth, with bad reviews, still anywhere from the high fives to the low sevens as far as hundreds of million dollars. Just think if these movies were had some, some good uh, screenplays, good stories, good narratives, for the most part, you would be talking about billion dollar movies and we wouldn't be having this conversation continually about what in the world is DC doing? I just, it really okay, just so are you Are you trying to say, because I think you're crossing the streams here proverbially, I think you're suggesting that they wouldn't be losing their leading man in red tights and blue tights had the films do like done better or do better or be received better. And this was just like, one of those loopholes where Cavill said, ah, now I'm kind of out of here. Is, is that what you're suggesting? That they're losing people because of the quality of the films? Or are you saying that it's okay to lose them and recast because eventually they'll get back on track or they won't get back on track, so they shouldn't worry about ever recasting? I actually am of the opinion that even though the movies were of a substandard nature for the most part outside of Wonder Woman, that I think the Henry Cavill as Superman. And I even kind of like the Ben Affleck Batman. I was seeing that even in with some, with some bad writing here and there that I thought that there was some potential for that core group of superheroes of the justice league. And we'll see if that's the case with Aquaman coming out in December that they could have had it run if they have had enough support, but Ben Affleck looks like he's gone. Josh had said that Ray Fisher looks like he's gone and now you see Henry Cavill is gone, and all these replacements that are rumored that they're talking about, whether it's Michael B. Jordan, whether it's a Supergirl, whether it's someone else, somebody that Josh suggested or I suggested or you would suggest, it leads to a continual narrative that the fans become disinterested when up at the top at Warner Brothers and DC, you just don't have the consistent leadership and the consistent plan that's out there. If we oh, put no, 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 one, no, no. Oh, let me and let me, finish, and let me finish and let me finish this. Let me finish this. That if you see what's going on on the other side of the fence with Marvel, uh, yeah, they probably threw him a ton of cash. But look at what happened with Robert Downey Jr. He went over to Sony, did his cameo, did his thing with Spider-Man: Homecoming, has helped 
still continuously help that franchise achieve the monumental success that it has along with all the other names that are out there. Yes, some of them are at the end of their contracts and they're probably very glad to be so. But with others in the, in the you know, when it comes to maybe Black Widow or maybe Thor or maybe a couple others that are longtime Marvel characters, maybe they want to continue that process because for them, it's not just monetarily enjoyable to do so, but maybe still it's just kind of cool for them to play those characters as well. I just don't see that same kind of love on the DC franchise from either fans, the company, or the characters themselves. Well, I got to take issue with one thing that you said in there. I just That's just one? I have to start at least the one. I tuned out after you started continuing going on because like, I couldn't get over this thing. Because you, you attack the consistency of DC films. And I got to tell you, if there's anything that has been consistent, the lackluster quality and subpar storytelling from the DC films, it has been consistent. Just consistently poor. It's been awful. You almost well, know what to Wonder expect Woman. every time. Would you include Wonder Woman in that realm? That that's an outlier. You know, and you can point to the Marvel films that aren't as great as others as outliers too. You know, I would say the first Ant Man wasn't that great. Oh, you and know? obviously the the first two Thors weren't that great. And I mean, you can in the Hulk. Yeah, you know. And, and, and even a lot of people like Josh and I didn't like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And, you know, you can nitpick whichever ones you want, but there still is a consistent theme of those characters still at some point in time getting a, a character development that's due to them and obviously keeps the interest for the actress to consistently play those roles. But we don't see it from Henry Cavill. Obviously, there's something outside of just, okay, did you want to go ahead and be in a cameo in Shazam? And it just fell apart from there as far as not only the cameo, but his future as a DC superhero as well. I mean, don't you see something wrong with that as well as far as just that little cameo in the mix of that? Not only that falling apart, but his entire future? I think it's a real double-edged sword. And I, I think part of the problem is what you don't get on the DC side is really any kind of spotlight of importance on any one franchise, which makes it feel kind of all disposable. They're rushing to all this big team up and these cameos in this cross universe. So as an actor and as a filmmaker on those things, how can you ever really feel great about what you're doing if the company that's putting them together doesn't feel great about what you're doing either? So that'll be it for another episode of the Cosmic Crossfire. Again, thanks for uh, chatting. I'm sorry that we agreed more than people are uh, accustomed to hearing. We've got to do it every now and then just to keep everything just status quo. But tell you what, I'm sure there are going to be things down the road in pop culture that you and I are going to go mano a mano and face off as in the near future. Not only right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos, but of course right here in the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire. Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films.
We're right back here on the show today. It's Gerald coming right back at you here along with my good friend. He is our fantasy football painter podcast guru. Guru. <laughs> Better the second time around. <laughs> Got to check out everything that's going on with the fantasy football painter podcast. It is available on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel that is available now mm-hmm. on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and over 30 different podcast outlets. It is my good friend. It is Mr. Tyler Baker. Another surprising weekend, and just when you thought it was safe Ooh. to go back in and bet and gamble and you know, just <laughs> relax and do some fantasy football, the NFL just gets crazier and crazier. You know what? I like to play DFS. I don't play a whole lot, but I like to play DraftKings FanDuel. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, I qualified for the uh, online world championships for FanDuel, so I'm excited about that. Congratulations. That, thank you. But this week, I had a locked and loaded defense. I don't like to pay up for defenses, but of course, I paid up for the Minnesota Vikings defense. And look at me wah, now. Wah, wah, wah. It trashed just about every single one of my DFS lineups. <laughs> just well, when you think you know, just when you think you got it figured out. No, no, no. They were actually part of history today, being one of the largest upset victims of the past 20, 25 years, I think it was. I think yeah. mid-90s was the last time a 17-plus or more point underdog lost straight up and they lost at home and in embarrassing fashion and they lost it in their first couple possessions and just never got it back and it was a story of turnovers minnesota's first two possessions were turnovers in their own 25 (laughs) so just handing buffalo the ball but you have to give it to the bills they took advantage of it they got those turnovers they took advantage of it and then Kirk cousins just fell apart he just absolutely fell apart. It was it was hard to watch. Great to see that money well spent right there, and you know all those uh, great things that you said. Okay, I actually didn't say such great things about her cousin. Maybe coming to prophecy because a lot of people were high on him after a couple of weeks, but. You know, this may be the Kirk Cousins that we may be used to seeing, the one that kind of faltered in the mm-hmm. second half of the season at Washington, and and maybe fantasy football owners may be worry about him going forward. A little bit worried, but he'll he'll bounce back. There's there's good Kirk Cousins, there's bad Kirk Cousins, and Kirk Cousins is not good. Well, it's like you and I were talking about a couple of weeks ago. There are certain high pressure situations in some games where he just kind of mentally just can't seem to hold it together. And the way this game started, it just set him down a path to where he just he just couldn't get out of it. If you are a Minnesota Vikings fan, you must be nervous about that because of the fact that it, you know, it could lead to bigger problems down the road. I don't think this is much to worry about. And if you have them on your fantasy team, you're definitely not dropping them. I just don't know how concerned I am about it. It's one bad game. It's Kirk Cousins. You know, you're going to get these bad games from him. And if you didn't know, now you know. <laughs> but I wouldn't be overly concerned. It was a very bad outing. I'm sure that they'll learn from it. Next week, they do have the Rams. And to be honest with you, I would expect them probably to play better against the Rams. Let them regroup. Dalvin Cook will probably be back next week. So they'll have their complete team. So I wouldn't be too concerned about Kirk Cousins. Because, you know, the Rams are such a pushover right now. You know, there's not <laughs> anything but they, winning. That's all. They are the best team in the NFL right now. Absolutely. They have so many ways that they can get you on offense. And their defense is just good. <laughs> and that's taking care of like they did this weekend of a very good team, mm-hmm. I think, in the mm-hmm. San Diego, well, I'm sorry, the Los Angeles Chargers. Los, I know. <laughs> the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah. 
And I think they're a really good team in the AFC. I think they've, they've still got a lot of things to look forward to. Phillip Rivers is an outstanding quarterback. They've got mm-hmm. a lot of good pieces, but mm-hmm. they were no match for the Rams today. No, but you know what? They put up a valiant fight. The Rams managed to take Keenan Allen out of this game, but Mike Williams showed up. He caught two touchdowns today, and you knew that it was going to come around. You knew that Mike Williams was going to be going to be a centerpiece of this offense. I don't know if we've completely turned that corner yet. He's definitely a big part of this offense now. And yeah, Philip Rivers has been playing lights out this year. He only attempted 30 passes which is really, really low for Philip Rivers. But going against this Rams defense, you're just not going to get that many opportunities. No, and you better maximize every single one of them once you do have them, because certainly the Rams will, especially with the high-octane offense and the star-studded defense that they have currently right now. So be warned, everyone in the NFL. We've said it for two weeks now. They are looking like the best team in the NFL. The Rams were gone for so long, and there was still quite a bit of Rams fans there in LA. And now that now that the Rams are back, there's much more of a buzz about the Rams than there are the Chargers. It seems like nobody wants the Chargers in LA. It's sad. But, but it's they still have not really sold out. Well, I, I don't want to call it the mausoleum like people say, but they're, 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 they're doing two-thirds full. But you know the... Co- well, it's also LA Coliseum that seats yeah. 100,000 people. <laughs> it did. It did. But they shortened it. They uh, lessened it to, I think, about 80,000, 90,000 okay. uh, because they, they sized it down because they really can't get 100,000 unless it's only for a very small amount of events. But mm-hmm. I'm going on a tangent here. But the <laughs> idea is that once they get into the new stadiums, maybe it will be actually a lot more popular for both the Chargers and the Rams. Hopefully things will look up for them attendance-wise because I think people need to get on those bandwagons because I think both teams are very good, mm-hmm. especially the Rams. And I think if people really get into them, that would be awesome. That would mean a lot of great things for me here in Vegas because for some reason they still black us out here in Las Vegas. And and I'm just mm. another rant here, man. When Oakland comes to Vegas here in a couple of years, that would blow my mind if they actually still black out the Rams and the Chargers like they've done for all these years. <laughs> yeah, we'll 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 see. I I I think I think a a team there local I think would do a lot to get those games on TV for you. That would be nice, but I don't you know I don't know. <laughs> I just don't understand the blackout rules entirely, and when it comes to any of the major sports, and just. Yeah, but that's another. Again, you've got. I think we're going to name this, rename this, the Tangent Podcast because <laughs> we've obviously gone on two tangents already. One last thing I want to touch on before we head on out is the Dallas Cowboys. Oh my <laughs> gosh! Even when they're not America's team, they're still America's pain in the side because I tell you what, <laughs> Jerry Jones squirming in that press box. You know, every time the Seahawks scored was just. A lot of fun to see if you're not a Cowboys <laughs> fan. I was a Cowboys Which fan. I'm not. Well, I, I know a lot of other people are not either. I was a Cowboys fan when I was very little. I actually, at this point in time, don't care about them either which way. I think probably because a lot of the issues that they won over the years, they won enough for me. I think it just, like I said, it's, at this point in time, maybe I just grew out of them. But at this point in time, they are really just not a very good team at this point in time. One of the worst in the NFL, in my opinion, both from an offense and a defensive side of the ball. They can't move the ball and they can't defend the ball. And to me, that's an issue big <laughs> time. And their they're once vaunted offensive line, yeah. years, which was the envy of the NFL, I yeah. don't think they can even, I don't even think they can plug a hole in a dam, much less a plug a hole, you know, any holes for the, for the running backs to get through. <laughs> 
Yeah. And that's yeah. sad for Ezekiel Elliott and everybody who has them. Well, and, and they've talked about getting Ezekiel Elliott more involved in the passing game. And he actually led the team in targets tonight. He had eight targets for three receptions for 11 yards. Including one, <laughs> unfortunately, that it was a touchdown that should have been a touchdown, but he didn't see where he was going. So he stepped out of bounds first and it yeah. wasn't a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. You've got fans wondering if they need to look for a quarterback in the next draft too. I was watching some game film last week looking at Dallas's week one loss and Dak Prescott was making some bad reads. I mean, really bad reads and making bad and making poor decisions. He looked a little bit better last week, but I mean, here we are. It's, you know, week three and today he had 168 yards in the air, one touchdown, two interceptions. Took, I am going to actually give five sacks. He took five sacks. Well, I'm actually going to give him the benefit of the doubt at this point in time because he had such a phenomenal rookie season and he's only two years removed from it. Maybe he's not as good as the numbers indicated then, but I don't think he's as bad as the numbers indicate now. I just think that offensive line is atrocious. And at this point in time, since they're not able to guard him, all he can do is give up sacks at this point in time. And it's obviously causing his throws to be wild, inaccurate, and hurried when you're basically on your back the entire time. Well, I think it's pretty easy to say, oh, he would be a better quarterback if he had the best line in the NFL in front of him. I mean, I think well, he most quarterbacks him. would be. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But they're not able to adjust with what they have now. And even some of the film that I was watching reads that he should have made. He just he just wasn't recognizing defenses. And yeah, he had he had the phenomenal rookie year. But the thing about rookie seasons and, and, you know, the first season that a player emerges, defenses really don't know what to do yet. But you give them an offseason of looking at film and figuring out what a quarterback's tendencies are, and you see defenses be able to kind of get their number. And Dak Prescott has been around enough that I think they know how to confuse him, and it looks to be working. Well, to me, it's just very sad because, I, like I said, anybody who has – Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott at this time, or Cole Beasley or any one of the uh, options that they have on offense, I don't think are that bad. I just don't oh, think, like bad. I said, well, they're bad. When they're, you're, I mean, when, they're, they're bad right now as far as a pick, but I think this, uh, to me, it just leads to the offensive line issue. Well, when your number one receiver is Cole Beasley, you've got problems. I mean, when you have Tavon Austin actually running routes, and trying to be a real NFL receiver, you have problems. They just don't have a good team. Cole Beasley is a slot receiver. He may be on a good team. He may be a number three receiver. I get there. But Ezekiel Elliott is somebody that I just don't see a lot of good opportunities going forward. And that leads to a bigger question. If you're a fantasy football owner out there, is it time to cut bait on Ezekiel Elliott and Dak oh, Prescott and try and see if you can sneak a trade in them now rather than later? If you're in a 10 or 12 team league, you probably shouldn't have Dak Prescott, but Ezekiel Elliott, lock him in. I mean, he's an every week start. He only had 16 carries on the ground. He turned it into 127 yards. I mean, he is a phenomenal talent. Dallas's offensive line has had quite a few injuries and, you know, some shuffling around. So let them get healthy, let them get back on the field, and you'll see a lot more production from Ezekiel Elliott. Cole Beasley is one of those guys where, you know, he's, I mean, he's a wide receiver for, you know, maybe you have him on your bench, you know, for the bye weeks or whatever, but there's nobody in this offense that you should be starting except for Ezekiel Elliott. Once again, it is the Fantasy Football Patriot Podcast. It is Tyler Baker on with us. 
Not only are segments posted on our Pop Culture Cosmos and PCC Multiverse every week, but full episodes you can find on our Pop Culture Cosmos channel on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and over 30 different podcast outlets. Well, before we head on out, my friend, what you got going, what you got working on, or is there any last thoughts that you have on the way out? Oh, I'm just going to enjoy the rest of this week because the Washington Redskins beat the Green Bay Packers. and i i will say this there was there was one hit that clay matthews had on on uh, alex smith and it was a regular clean hit it was actually a good hit and they threw the flag and i was watching the game and the commentators rolled some film of some other penalties that clay matthews had gotten and i don't think he deserved a flag on any of them and i understand where the nfl is reprioritizing player safety but I feel so bad for these defenders because, I mean, how do you hit the quarterback now? You can't hit him low. You can't hit him high. And if you hit him perfectly in the middle, you're still going to get a flag. So you can see the frustration in Clay Matthews' face. And everybody that I was watching the game with, there was like 20 of us. And we're just looking around at each other like that was a good hit. Like what was wrong with that hit? We were trying to figure out what the referee saw. There was no helmet to helmet. I mean, it was it was a clean football hit and still got a 15-yarder for it because, I mean, it was an egregiously bad call, in my opinion. So I think you're probably going to see some backlash from that. And I understand it's difficult to keep the guy safe, but you have to understand that football is just a very violent game. And there's only so much that you can sanitize that. There's only so much you can tame that. So that was one of the things that really jumped off the page from that game that and Aaron Rodgers is not hundred percent and Aaron Rodgers really makes his game by extending plays and moving around and giving his receivers time to improvise downfield. And when he's hurt the way that he is now, he's just not able to do that. So it could be a while before we see Aaron Rodgers back. I think their bye week is week seven and I would be looking for a healthy Aaron Rodgers probably around week eight. Because honestly, you know, he's not practicing, but even getting out there and playing on Sunday, it can't be good for his leg. So if you've got Aaron Rodgers in your fantasy lineup, you're a little bit concerned. And then, of course, all the corresponding parts in that offense, you're a little bit concerned. My friend, it's been a great show. As always, I appreciate you giving us the update on not only the football season as a whole, but obviously for everything fantasy football owners that are they're asking for all those nuggets that you give. Where can they go if they have any more questions on trades, waiver wire questions? Should I trade this guy? Should I get this guy in a trade? Where do you go for any of those fantasy football questions they may have? The best thing you can do is go to the Facebook group, and that is the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast group. If you don't want to post your lineup and post your questions, because a lot of people don't, you can send a private message and I'll get the message. But the best way to do it is to take a screenshot of your lineup, of your trade offer, of what's on the waiver wire, post that. And uh, it's a good way to get input from a lot of different perspectives. My friend, it is a great way to get a good perspective because not only you're there, but also over 200 individuals that love fantasy football like you are also there that can also share their opinion as well. So maybe it's good to get get kind of a good feedback, bouncing off the walls type deal, and, and maybe get a good idea exactly what you might want to do for your fantasy football team. So Tyler, my friend, it's been a great show. It's been a great time indeed. Just truly appreciate everything that you do for us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos and everything that you do for the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. 
If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back with the show once again. It is the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source, along with my good friend, Mr. Josh Peterson, want to thank so much as we head on out for the last segment of the day. Want to thank so much again, Rob McCallum, for being in the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire. You got to check out all the great stuff that he's doing at Rob McCallum Films at robmccallumfilms.com. Our good friend Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. Full episodes of the Fantasy Football Pater podcast are available each and every week on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel on all our various outlets. Speaking of the Pop Culture Cosmos, you can check our shows out on radio worldwide seven days a week. We're now on over 15 different, actually, I think it's 16 now, different radio stations. We've got a listing of where we're at on our Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page. There's a listing right there. You can see it day by day. And also as well, it gives you a listing of all the podcast networks that are on, or at least a good portion of them, because I think we're on over 30 different podcast networks with all those podcast catchers and all that stuff like that, that you can get on your app, on your smartphone and whatnot. Josh, I know you got a great thing going on when it comes to Humanica Media. I know you've been working hard on a lot of other stuff behind the scenes. So can you give us a little bit of insight on what's going on with your great experience known as Humanica Media? Yeah, we're just doing Topic Topicocalypse right now. I've been actually had a busy week of editing weddings, so that's why we're low on content. But yeah, Topic Topicocalypse is out there. Just did a one about education, and there's another one coming out this week about trash talking and what's the right way to do it, why do people do it, the psychology behind it all. We get down and dirty about it. And also, you can catch us on the Podcast Radio Network on Tuesday nights at, what, 4.30 Pacific time? Is that what we... No, it's no, it's four. And don't you be talking about my mama like that, please. Oh, there you go. That's that's what you get for trash talking. All right, but it is Topicocalypse that is going to be part of the Attack of the Mannequins that is available on the Podcast Radio Network at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific every Tuesday. I'll tell you what, my friend. One of the things I wanted to discuss on the back end of the show is something that I think gets a little bit. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't get as much love as I think that it should. Uh, I've said this now for a long time that I think the FIFA franchise is one of the most underrated and one of the most important video game franchises out there. And I think some people are probably laughing at me when I say that right now, but the numbers prove out in the what uh, over 10 plus years FIFA games have been made. The importance to electronic arts as far as the number of sales have, it's just risen dramatically. I've told the story before and I'll say it again. When I was running game stores, I was prioritizing FIFA pre-orders over Madden pre-orders. They they complained to me why I only got about two or 300 pre-orders for Madden and why I was getting all these pre-orders for FIFA. And I was saying it was due to what my, my clientele was asking for. My clientele was coming in. And they were asking for FIFA and they were, you know, I was noticing what they were buying. And 
I was noticing that they were there was a lot of FIFAs being resold, traded in, and things of that nature. And I thought, you know what? FIFA needs to be something that's more thought about in the realm of the video game industry. And sure, at that time, and that was 2007, 2008. And look, about 10 years later, FIFA is now one of the marquee franchises in video games. It is probably one of the biggest games to come out this month. It's coming out this weekend, I believe on Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken. It is going to be FIFA 19. A lot of people are looking forward to it, not just here in the United States, but around the world, all over in the UK, Australia, in Europe, Far East. They look forward to FIFA coming out each and every year, all the different things that they throw in there, all the different players, the setups, the all-stars, the pass grades. They love going ahead and involving themselves in the FIFA franchise. Your thoughts on FIFA as a video game entity do you think it's underappreciated like I do? Do you do you respect it as a video game entity? Even if you don't play it, do you still think that FIFA is one of the most important game franchises in the video game industry? Oh, that depends. For sports, yeah, I think it's important. But I know soccer is a big thing. It's it's a growing it's has a growing audience, and I wouldn't necessarily say that that's the most important franchise in the gaming industry. But it does. Well, I didn't say it's the most important. I, I didn't mean it's, I didn't want to allude to say it's the most important in the gaming franchise interest. I, and I apologize for that. Obviously, when you got you know GTA and Fortnite and all those others running around, but. With the multitude and tens of millions of sales that they generate each and every year, I think as far as, like you said, in the sports gaming industry, they should be considered the top franchise because they now far surpass Madden as far as sales worldwide. But I think it's also one of the most important gaming franchises in the video game industry. Yeah, and if you notice too, anytime like new tech comes out for sports games, it's always tested on FIFA or FIFA perfects it if it's tested on something else. But you know, and that that's cool. That's that's really cool. And it seems like they keep adding things to FIFA. They keep adding different tech, but different game modes, story modes, sponsor modes, stuff like that. And they're really just a step ahead of every other sports franchise out there. Madden, NBA, like they're doing things that those franchises can't do because their fans are more, uh, I don't want to say dynamic, but the fans are more accepting of that. And they, they, they almost expect it. So that's what makes it like, you know, when you... When the first Halo came out on the Xbox 360 as opposed to the the first Xbox, you know, and everyone's like, yes, it's going to be so cool because it looks so much different. Each entry into the FIFA franchise looks so much different from the last one. And I think that's something that's very important that because the sporting franchise, as we know, they grow stagnant. So it's FIFA is always keeping it fresh. And that's one thing that soccer fan or not, people do tend to pick up the game if their friends are playing it. And there's a lot of DLC that's always attached these days to the FIFA franchise. That's something that makes it even more important when it comes to a must-have sporting game. And like you said, right now, I think they prioritize themselves above anything that the Madden, NFL, NBA 2K, NBA Live, NHL even, even though NHL has been thought of as far as the NHL series has been thought of as a pretty good franchise with pretty good quality games, even they must take a backseat to the FIFA franchise because of the popularity as soccer, aka football, around the world is considered the number one sport everywhere outside the U.S. And in the U.S., it's still very fast growing. 
Still, a lot of people are getting more and more enthused about it. The World Cup is coming here in the not-too-distant future to the United States, so it's going to get people even more invested in FIFA and obviously the FIFA World Cup. Sometimes they do offshoots of that. So I really think that the FIFA franchise has really done a great job of promoting itself and just making it so important as far as not only being the marquee franchise in sports gaming, but a large enough entity that people around the world, when it comes to gaming franchises, have to take a look at it as a serious contender, not to, let's say, the GTAs of the world, but at least one of the strongest top 10 selling franchises each and every year. Okay, so you look at E3, EA comes on, they do their their spiel. The hype levels are so much higher for FIFA compared to some of the others. And I don't know if I'm the only one that notices that. But yeah, yeah, it's like the, it, each year gets better and people love it. And it's not, it doesn't seem to wear out its welcome, especially with soccer growing its fandom very rapidly. I think that FIFA is only, you know, they're not even near the top of the hill. And it's funny because Pro Evolution Soccer is always hot on their coattails as far as you know it being sometimes better in quality than the FIFA franchises from year to year, but still sales-wise, the FIFA series outsells the PES series quite a bit. But the PES series as a whole still sells very strongly when compared to other sports video game properties that are out there. So it's interesting that not only does the industry worldwide support PES, but obviously still does enough to support FIFA. And I know a lot of people that actually get both FIFA and PES soccer every single year. So it's kind of interesting how that works out. Yeah, and those are the people too who are, I don't know, I feel like they're the ones who are trying to compare the games to see which one's better. For me, it would all depend on who I know that's playing what game, and that usually determines what, if any, sports games I want to dive into. But reviewers or people who want to compare games or people who are always active on in you know gaming communities those are the ones who are gonna who are gonna be like that so i would honestly be curious to ask people who who do play both of them which one they like better because i think their opinion would be the one that counts that's true and to me it just looks like that when you have pes pro evolution soccer and also the fifa series that's out there each and every year garnering so much attention it makes it for an enjoyable experience. And for me, it just gives me that reinforced satisfaction that so many years ago, I was right about where the video game industry was headed when it comes to sports gamings, that they weren't just relying on Madden. And that's not to disrespect Madden in any way, shape, or form. Madden is still a very strong franchise. In fact, I saw this past weekend quite a bit of love for the Madden franchise at the tributes to the Jacksonville tragedy that we did at Retro City Games and also as well at Press Start Gaming Center that there was still a lot of love for Madden, but around the world there seems to be a lot more love when it comes to FIFA and it's to me it's it's every reason why that FIFA should be considered one of the premier video game franchises right now and if you don't think so you take a look at the numbers and it might just change your mind. What are your thoughts on FIFA as a video game franchise? Do you think it's highly underrated like I do? Or do you think it is one of the most premier video game franchises out there? Or do you think just because it's a sports game that you don't play, that it doesn't exceed anything brought out by NBA, 2K, NBA Live, Madden, or any of those other familiar video game franchises? Share us your thoughts 
popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, my friend, we're coming down to the end of another episode. It's just an awesome time to always talking to you, my friend. I know we got a lot of stuff in the fire when it comes to our episode coming out on Friday. Looking forward to that. But any last thoughts on the way out? Yes, we'll be making an announcement soon. I know we keep saying that, but we will because I'm working hard on it actually as we speak. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for that indeed. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. Doctor Who podcast brings you passionate geekery that's often effusive, sometimes loquacious, but always full of love for the world of Doctor Who. Armed with a queer woman's perspective, you can look forward to the show covering both the new and classic series, as well as other forays into the so-called Hooniverse. So please check out the Terminus podcast for your dorky dose of deep discussion. All, of course, brought to you with a fun side, because as the fourth doctor once said, there's no point in being grown up if you can't be childish sometimes. So head on over to Terminus.Lipson.com to find the podcast. The Terminus Doctor Who podcast. Queer, opinionated, Whovian, female. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.